Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 59, and today we have with us YouTuber, create content creator, social commentator, Nina Infinity. Thank you for joining us, Nina. Congratulations Hi. on getting to 10K, hey, hey, by hey. the way, 10K subs. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's, uh, it's accomplishment. been, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's been a, definitely an accomplishment in terms of, uh, the, the kind of stuff I talk about sometimes I'm kind of very, uh, very glad and very surprised that I haven't been banned off uh, YouTube and, and Twitter yet, but uh, I know how to use those secret words. So yes. that might be the reason yeah. why. It's very important to avoid the key phrases that it, they don't it, like. That sucks. So that you have to be so strategic <laughs> with it. And especially when you get to that level, because you know, when you're a, when you're a smaller account, you're, you're not monetized yet and you don't have thousands on the line. It's you're just it's easier to be throw away with whatever you say and do. But once Absolutely. you get to that level, it's you got to start like, God, I, I want to say self-censoring, but it's it's not just that because you can find ways to say the things you really want to say. You just kind of have to say them in a strategic way. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I do a show with my friend, John, John talks, and he's, he's got a big channel. He's got about like 300,000 subscribers now. Uh, he used to talk now he doesn't, he just edits. Uh, so we just like, we laugh at, uh, the idea that he, his channel is still called John talks, but he's always doing editing. <laughs> but, funny. but the funny part is that now when we do live streams, like he doesn't want to live stream on his channel for two reasons. One, because YouTube suppresses you when you start live streaming and if you have a bigger channel and two, because of this very reason, because we will get into spicy topics and then. He doesn't want to risk his channel, which is very, very understandable. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. So far, we just we pre-record everything. We've only done one live stream, which was for six hours. That was our like one year anniversary, like celebration, basically. What was nice. our like, official episode? We we do this, you know. We invite someone on and we'll pre-record with them, and we don't normally edit unless there's like really something in there, say that they like say or disclose that they would not want in there. Sure. Normally, we just kind of let the conversation happen naturally, but we do pre-record. Sure, I understand. So, Nina, you do, you have your own show, Breaking the Narrative. You do yes. good news, which I love, by the way. Yeah, same. Thanks. It's nice to have, like, a little change where there's, like, oh, here's a positive story or a series of positive yeah. stories. I always try to keep my uh, my Twitter feed fresh with, like, something positive and wholesome, like, you know, one ever. 20 posts i gotta get better at doing that that was actually one of the things i wanted to ask Nina about you know when you first started your channel was it always approached in that way or did you kind of start off really sort of tackling the negative shit right the dark side of the world and then uh, kind of decide like oh i need to balance this out a little bit because man this dark stuff is heavy and even i need a break yeah, it kind of did start out the way you said, um, but it actually started more like towards entertainment, I guess, because because I do movie reviews and stuff like that as well. I uh, I talk a lot about the culture war and the influence that uh, you know uh, the leftist media or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it has on culture, um, starting with I guess you know. Uh, Star Wars, for example, or whatever Disney is doing right now. <laughs> um, so what happened was the way I started my YouTube channel was I 
watched Game of Thrones, the ending of Game of Thrones, and I was devastated. Uh, completely <laughs> devastated. Not the origin um, story I expected. What is this crap? Yeah, I was I was completely devastated. I cried my eyes out on uh, like the second to last episode, The Bells. Oh I'll never forget. Uh, and then the like the last episode, I cried. And my husband was like, you know, you should go on this live stream where people are talking about how devastated they are, just like you, uh, about uh, watching this <laughs> you show. Can, you can bond over this. Guy. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can bond over this. Okay. And I was like, live stream? Like, what is that? I didn't even know what yeah. that was. So he's like, yeah, go on this guy's channel. I've told you about him before because he used to watch all these different content creators, including Gary from Nerdrotic. And um, and I went on his live stream, the very last episode live stream that he was doing for Game of Thrones. It had like 20,000 people in the chat at the time. Everybody was devastated about the ending. And that's how I kind of like ended up in that sphere. And um through that, I was introduced to different chats like Anna, that Star Wars girl, uh, John Talks, uh, just a lot of other people, Doomcock, a lot of different people through that uh, avenue, you know, opened up. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is this is weird. This is I guess this is the new form of entertainment. But so I started watching videos from these people and they were saying exactly stuff that I was thinking about, like with regards to The Last Jedi, for example, and how much everybody hated that movie. And I was like, I thought I was the only one. Like, not. <laughs> yeah. So I figured that out. And then, you know, over time, spending time in these chats, uh, a lot of people encouraged me to make my own channel, including Anna, that Star Wars girl. And uh, a lot of other people were like, hey, you should, you should make a channel. You should make a channel. And then I started hanging out in John Talks' chat uh, and, uh, he was a little bit different than everybody else because he wasn't just focusing on the culture war at the time. He was focusing on politics and psychology and other things, esotericism. He was bringing up a lot of different topics that I was very familiar with, but it wasn't yeah, in that we also, entertainment. We are also interested in those things. So. Exactly. With, with those, with those topics. So then I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. Let me, let me go and live stream with him. So I, I, or let me, let me contact him and see if he'll, he'll have me on kind of thing. And at that time I had only done like maybe one other show with, with a couple of ladies uh, who actually, one of them is Lorena Creole, shout out to her. Uh, I do a show with her now on Midnight's Edge called Toxic Femininity on Monday nights. Um, and uh, we, uh, so I started streaming with them. Then I went to John's and I, I asked him to bring me on and then COVID happened and it shut down. Everything shut down quarantine so at the time he was doing a live stream of cutting his hair because like nobody was going to cut hair and he was like you know I'm doing a live stream cutting my hair you want to come on and I did and then we didn't end up talking about anything was just because he was just cutting his hair so I hit him up again and I was like hey can I come on where we can actually talk about stuff and he's like yeah sure come on and then so I did again and this time we talked about stuff, but then this time we got into like the nitty gritty of things and we really hit it off. And we started to do a show together called Infinite Talk on his channel during quarantine, where we would just talk like all night. And then, you know, things from there rolled. I made my channel. Uh, I made the review for Dark from um, Netflix. That was my first video was the, my review for that series. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's freaking awesome. the, the Swedish? Or German. German. Yes. Yes, it's like a time travel German show that I was like. Is that one not devastating to you? That one was worth it. Oh, that one's good. That one's good. The the ending is like could have been better, but it's I mean like worlds greater than what's going on in Hollywood right now. So have you been 
sorry, I gotta ask, but have you been watching Outer Range? No, I have not. Oh, we don't know anyone yet who's really watching. You'd it like it's, that? It's very similar to. Dark. It's like it's oh. one of the best things so far I've seen in a while. I really like it because I it. someone recently yeah. told me about that show, and I was we're like, into the- like the paranormal stuff. And if you're into that time travel, all that sort of stuff, it's very well done. It definitely has like a David Lynch kind of feel to it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, oh. I, someone recently told me about that, and I'm waiting to check it out. But my my usual question to everyone is, does it have an ending? Because I'm obsessed with endings so it's not yeah yeah not yet it's, yeah, not being, yet. it's <laughs> being released uh in Serial. installments they're doing two episodes yeah so instead of one they're doing two every friday wow doing- that's really interesting because that's been a debate recently about whether ser- like you know the episodic is better than the binge model and it's it, you know it's interesting to see that these new shows are being yeah. produced uh, i can see why people want the binge model you know because i want to know what's going to happen so i understand that but part of, part of me is like i guess a little happy that they are releasing it piecemeal like this because it gives you time to digest the story i would actually go back and re-watch the previous two episodes before the new ones would come out just because the way the show is structured there's so many little details and things that mm-hmm. i wouldn't notice those things I wouldn't notice them until I watched it the second time. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I didn't see that the first yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, oh, like, personally, oh, this and that's foreshadowing that. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But personally, I mean, I love the binge model as well. Usually I would wait until everything's out and I watch it. But as a business model, I, I think that it's way better to do it like this because of what you just said. And also, you know, you want to get more people involved. And builds, that's builds, the, the water cooler show, right? And so anticipation. It very much builds anticipation. Yes. So I can see why the serial model still has there's merit to it, you know. Exactly. It, it also might depend on how the series is structured too, because I find uh series were being almost like narratively they're just different narratively when they were being pitched in that in that uh sorry that binge model way yeah yeah but um going back to like you know how I ended up doing infinite hope was that like when when I started doing infinite talk with John we were just talking about so many just bad things all the time like it just felt like overwhelmingly negative all yeah. the time because the, the news was just so like are we all gonna die <laughs> you know like <laughs> tomorrow you know there's gonna be dead bodies everywhere you know like the dark winter's coming and you know just all these different things and it was just a constant thing and I you know I found myself thinking to myself like is there anything good happening in the world anymore so I, I literally went and did some research uh, and it was difficult to find at first, but I realized that there was good things happening all the time. And I told myself, you know, like, this is something that I think we all need right now. We we need something to remind us that there's still good in humanity and that there's still, you know, there's still a part of us that we are mostly good and p- people just want the best and to just be happy, you know, and, and I figured it's good to remind people of that and bring balance kind of a balance to the force because we need, although we work on objective reality and we have to see objective reality for what it is. And sometimes that can be really dark. The world is like yin and yang, right? Like there's always that good part too. And I think that most of the time we're just so focused, like hyper-focused on the bad that we tend to forget that the good is also always happening. And also that the bad all just makes more money. It just makes more. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say the media they kind of stoke that they yeah like they direct that fear in a sense yes and they do 
And there's definitely, there's just more clicks and more attention that they get when a story is tragic or dark and they know that. Mm-hmm. So they, they, it's very easy to get sucked into a hole of negative news. It is. And the media too with the, with the algorithms and all of that online and the way we're consuming information today. I think that's also part of how it's, that happens. It's by design for sure. And this is a conversation I've had with Carrie, uh, Carrie Smith from yeah, Deprogrammed. Really love that lady. She's so smart, so intelligent, so awesome. And I like, you know, this is a conversation I've had with her where we both have talked about because I've had her on Infinite Hope and we've both talked about how years ago, like back in the day, we would we would watch these kind of like we would watch the news and then they would go into these segments of like, hey, look at this new puppy that was born or like, you know, look at this. It's like the new zoo animal that was born or whatever. And, you know, everybody was like, yeah, like, you know, fluff piece or whatever. And at the time I was like, yeah, OK, fluff. Uh, but now I'm like, where's the fluff? We yeah, need like, wait, some we, fluff. We want it now. Like, can you give us a little bit of bubblegum yeah. and candy? Because like just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> there was this really wholesome video that went viral on Twitter yesterday about this uh, little boy at a Yankees game. Who, Saw it. Yeah, wasn't that great? Uh, oh, I loved it. And it was a Blue Jays one too. So I was like, yay, Canada. <laughs> you know? yeah, it was in Toronto, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it that was, was cute. It was great. I, I wanted to backtrack a bit. Because you you can't just bring up the ending of Game of Thrones and not oh. not, not tell us your actual <laughs> devastated opinion of it and why why it affected you so much. I have not read the books, so I can't comment the books, on the books. Still aren't done, right? They're no, not, I can't comment on that series <laughs> at all from that perspective. Oh boy. Um. Well, I did read the books. Okay. Um, I figured that was why you held the opinion that you held. Yes, um, I did read the books. Uh, season one was the reason that I read the books because I watched season one not knowing anything about the series. Uh, and then I realized, I was like, what? They killed off the main character? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so I decided to go and read the books because I figured, hey, the books might be finished and will give me some sort of, you know, just result. They but, weren't. Wait, but were you really shocked though Sean Bean died? you know no i i wasn't you're you're right i i shouldn't have been i shouldn't have been but uh i was a little surprised though yeah i was because of ned stark's character like it's great character yeah it it just didn't seem like the type of thing that would happen but that's why it was so groundbreaking at the time so i decided to go read the books i've read them all in like one sitting like just maybe like two months or something like that and then literally like Right when I finished the fifth one, I think about three months later, Dance with Dragons released. I was like there in the lineup to get <laughs> the book. I, I like pre-ordered it. Yep. Uh, so I read that in like two, three weeks. Terrible book, by the way. Probably his worst one. Yep. Uh, but uh, so I read the books. So I was like, this is going to be amazing. You know, you hear uh, George R. R. Martin is completely involved. Blah blah blah. He's told David uh, Benioff or whatever their D and D, whatever their names are. I forget what their names are. Uh, the showrunners for Game of Thrones that what the ending is supposed to be. Blah blah blah. And uh, you know, you think to yourself like, this is going to be the most amazing epic story ever. And then they fucking drop the ball. Like, I mean, it was just terrible. Like after the fifth season, especially like sixth season, you kind of see the the kind of decline because that's basically around the time that the books ended. And then they were making it up as they went along. Was that around so, when 
when Arya went to go train as an assassin? What? Uh, a little bit after that. So that was what, season four. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, right I around that time. All, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it too. Because after the season eight disaster, I was like, I'm never watching this again. Uh, why? Why would I? Uh, I did wait. I was waiting for George R. R. Martin to uh, come out with Winds of Winter, and then a dream of spring because there's supposed to be not one but two books uh left in the series uh for it to finish but uh, he as of today has not finished a winds of winter and he will not finish a winds of winter you can fight me on this he will not finish so this you, series you think he's he's gonna um, he's gonna die like the guy who did wheel of time wheel of time is really long too yes i do uh, or berserk uh, what, whatever you want to call it. I think here's the thing. I think he either has finished it or, and he's just holding out at this point until he dies before he releases it. And so that he can't have any backlash about like how shitty huh. his ending is. That's an interesting theory. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, um, I'm not even going to bother. He's like, let him put it out when I die. And then yeah, like, about maybe he's just oh, holding God. out or Oh, he definitely David. hasn't ended it because or because he he had an ending very similar to what the series was and the reception of that was so negative that he decided to rewrite it huh. and in rewriting it he basically trapped himself in a corner and now he he no longer has any passion to finish the series no matter what like it's just I mean it's you know take take your pick right either way he's not going to finish it and because yeah. of that and because of how many other projects he's done other than Game of Thrones uh, I have now uh, you know sorely disappointed in George R R Martin and I think he's going to be left you know his legacy is going to be a, a complete failure as a writer to have to have a a series as big as Game of Thrones something that could have competed with lord of the rings and never having an ending a, a satisfying ending for your for your customer base for your fans um is it's going to be his legacy and yeah. it's devastating the big problem with a lot of stories is the ending because it's so important and it really is supposed to wrap together the whole point of the story that you've been telling it's really supposed to hammer hard on your theme your message and it's oftentimes really hard for some story writers this is why you'll be watching like some movies i noticed they just like end really abruptly yeah and it's yeah. like it's like then, then you have return of the king which has like five which has so yeah. many <laughs> but the whole point is it's really it's it is hard to do a good ending that leaves the audience or the reader or the viewer feeling satisfied and and like they had a complete experience <laughs> mm -hmm. and with game of thrones it's just been such a disaster I can totally understand why. And it's not like he needs the money, right? You know, George mm -hmm. R. R. Martin is like, you know, set for life now. He's set, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think part of it is he took some of his really main characters like Jon Snow and um, what's, uh, Tyrell, not who's a, Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion. Tyrion. And made them do like things that were just extremely out of, out character. of character. Same with Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. I mean, his her entire arc. Character <laughs> that it yeah. just, I think that was part of, the disappointment there and how they yeah i mean like if you wanted to do the mad queen which is kind of like the way things were going and like even in the <laughs> books uh it seems like it would have been a, a really good thing to kind of set that up but the way that we got it in the in the series was that she immediately went mad like within like one episode and it's yeah, like it this is something that was you know has been in the process for seven years 
that we watched her fight this other side of her and the fact that she doesn't want to become a mad queen and then all of a sudden she's killing babies like this is not (laughs) no she's like burning like you know king's landing with women and children everywhere like this is not the mother of dragons making Jon snow participate and be a part of that really brought his character low you know and and he was Mm -hmm. the moral character he was the one that we like looked up to like he should have saw through that right sooner and just even his whole like turn on her in the end i don't want it everything was i don't want it abrupt yeah (laughs) Yeah, he yeah. didn't want it. No, ne- neither did we. We didn't want that. We didn't. We didn't yeah, want any then of it. Tyrion, he's supposed to be like smart and and see through this this kind of thing, you know. And he ends up supporting the evil tyrant in the end. So I don't know what are they saying about him and his character with that as well. I mean, it's again, it's weird because like reading the books, like I actually did think that through reading the books for the longest time i thought that he was going to make bran king like that was his entire setup that george r R. martin was was setting it up for bran to become king uh that was something that a lot of people didn't like i mean i i would have been fine with that ending if there was a build-up to that ending it's just that they just kind of as detailed and amazing as they were they they gave up on the detail and amazing that and, and HBO was willing to stretch the show out you know it was it was the 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 maker and even George R. R. Martin was like you guys should do this in ten seasons kind of thing yeah. and and they didn't they didn't uh, so yeah they definitely uh, they feels sh- like they wrapped up very quick yeah the impact of of brand being king didn't really feel very impact it didn't make any sense because of the way that they had set it up but it would have made sense mm-hmm. if they had set it up the way that they should have just like with the mad queen he was one of my he was one of my favorite characters in the show actually i liked his arc me too i liked how you know they made him one of the most powerful characters while being crippled i thought there was something he's even better in the books that's why i was like dude like this is definitely because they don't really go into anything with regards to his like war capabilities or like the the fact that he can go into other species they don't do do anything like that in in the books that is very focused there's (laughs) there's a lot more to that in the books so Again, uh, yes, that was devastating. Um, like, for me, my favorite character was Daenerys Targaryen. So, like, when she went actually mad and started burning shit down, that's when I start crying. I was like, <laughs> "Could you do this to her?" <laughs> yeah, McQueen, no. <laughs> it's a shame. Like, no. It's a shame, but you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. You just gotta have. We just have to deal with it, and hopefully, there will be something good that comes along later. I really liked um, Samuel Tarley. Was he was like my that was a great character as a character. He was very he was very much my spirit. Dorky research character. Yeah, I don't understand you. Part that would definitely be the role I would lean toward. The book guy, you know, I'd be be in the library discovering the secret and putting it together and then telling them. Right, and then and and these are the things that happen with the the deconstruction of characters as well. I mean, this has been happening for a while, so it's not just Game of Thrones. And one of one of the biggest ones right now um, is is star wars uh, disney star wars like completely ruined uh, you know our childhood heroes especially specifically luke skywalker yeah. and han solo they, they neutered them they quite yes. literally neutered these characters it, and i just what angers me so much about it is it was it was not necessary to neuter those characters to elevate a female lead role it just was not 
necessary. You could have written it in a way where you still had a great, strong female lead without having to bring those characters down low. Yeah, they continuously do that, though. Yeah, Yeah. that is their new MO. Uh, I mean, look at the MCU. Uh, My my MCU. (laughs) Yeah, my my friend Gary uh, Nerdrotic. He he calls it that. He coined that phrase MCU. That makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and and it's it's true because that's all they do is trying to prop up female characters by you know knocking down their male counterparts. Case in point, Loki. Uh, you know, you had a show on the like Disney Plus where Loki is a great villain, uh, you know, kind of like a not so much a villain, kind of like anti hero sometimes, but mostly a villain, but it's very liked villain. And then they're, you know, they bring in female Loki and completely like just cuck Loki as a character. I mean, this female I Loki, I didn't, see, I didn't see the Loki series, but. That's interesting. To learn. Oh my god, Custom. she was like, I learned magic by myself when I was six years old, and I taught it to myself. And it's like, girl, what are you just, talking just, about? Just like Ray, just automatically good at shit. Yeah, like didn't have to train, didn't have to like go through the trials and tribulations, didn't like almost go dark until the last movie. So she didn't, she didn't have any real struggle internally. There was no moment in that trilogy where it felt like really close, like Ray was really going to lose. And it was mm-hmm. just, mm, you know, she's always a winner. She's the bestest ever. Yeah. It's just, and it's not like, it's not the actress's fault either. Like I liked her and I thought the character design wise and attitude wise was a great awesome character i had no problem with that but it's it goes back to the writing you know it's it's hard to suspend this belief and i know it's a fantasy series or sci-fi and all of that and you know obviously it's not real like we're not supposed to take it that serious but there should be certain yes we are well there's certain Uh, rules to the world that get established when when you build these worlds right yes and the writers start breaking canon really going back on some of that stuff it feels like a slap in the face to the people who've held up these franchises for as long as they have, you know? It's, yes. Oh, we're it, just going to take that from you, make it into this whole new thing now. And you're expected to just t- just eat it because this is what we're serving. Exactly. It, not, you and, and, you know, I always, like, I have a problem with that argument of, like, oh, this was supposed to be a kid's show because a lot of people say that about Star Wars. but. Yeah. It, it wasn't just that. And like, you know, a lot of us adults, uh, you know, watched Star Wars and, uh, you know, it, it is an age old tale uh, from, you know, that has kind of been passed down through through history. Yeah, we, we, we can go into the whole monomyth stuff and Joseph Campbell and all of that. And I think there's some merit to that, you know, exactly the power of storytelling and myths. But they want to destroy that. The one thing that I've noticed, and that's one of the things that I really did notice in, in, in within the culture war, is that they're trying to mainly destroy, uh, specifically white male characters, uh, and specifically uh, the family unit or the nuclear family, if you if if you want to call it. So they they, they really they're really like hammering in certain things, uh, and even with female characters. Like for example, with Faye, I don't know if you like you got you watched the um, you watched the the new live action. We tried. So I got through. <laughs> what did we get through? Two episodes. I think two or three. 
something like that. And well, I, I watched the whole thing. I couldn't. Oh, did you? I couldn't yes. Did you like it? I made a petition to keep it canceled. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that. But I couldn't. So does that answer your question? The only, the only character who I felt was they were doing okay and that the actor was really trying, honestly, was, was, was Jet. Like, yes, I felt like Jet was the only one where he felt like the, like the black very much the black act, black actor and none of that mattered to me. No, because the persona and the way he was acting the character felt like that character. He he became Jet, and I and I completely fun. agree with you because he, he was so into it. Faye, I was not feeling, and Spike, that that's not him. That's not his character. You know, I don't know if it was the actor. I don't know if it was the his. The fact that he was short, you know, <laughs> Spike's. He was a little bit older, and yeah. you know, just there was a lot. There was a lot of factors with, with John Cho, but nothing like Faye. He wasn't debonair, you know. No, like there was or cool, about, like yeah. There was just something about him that was kind of just kind of dorky, and he just he didn't feel like that that <laughs> that macho. And I don't know if Spike is even macho. He kind of has like this he dark is macho. He is. Well, he, you. Stoic stoicism about him in a way. Definitely, but you see, you didn't watch it till the end, so you didn't see how they deconstructed okay. Faye like completely. Oh, okay, and uh, made her a lesbian by the <laughs> oh, end. Oh, okay. I so <laughs> why? Well, they had to. Why? She was just like you know scissoring chicks by the end, and you're I like, what? Yeah. Really? Um, because you know, Faye is a femme fatale and she's, she's in the anime. She's very straight, yeah. uh, uses her sexuality to get what she wants. That's her story. Yeah. Um, but now she's no longer that she's a lesbian in, in the Netflix live action. Thank God it's canceled. Uh, I hope it never sees the light of day again. It gets forgotten in the sands of time, yeah. but, um, but that's, that's what they're doing. They're deconstructing every single, you know, positive character that we have including female characters including positive female characters great female characters that they're like you know what nah like you know this this female character let's just make her a lesbian because then it's more diversity or like whatever and it's like no that's we don't we don't need that uh andering and it's patronizing and i just i just wish yeah. they would stop warping other characters to fit this new like right. let's make this character you know a lesbian let's yeah. make this character gay let's make the no just write a new story write a new like, story write a new story make it a good story make it compelling and make an aspect of that character be that they have you know you know yeah. lesbian or gay or whatever or earlier exactly. you know how like they they keep they keep having to they keep trying to bring the male characters down low or to neuter them in order to sort of elevate the female characters and I don't know. I find that patronizing. If I was a woman, I would feel like, well, oh, so the only way you can write a good character for me now is that you have to make all of the male characters dumb. And it's it's similar to it's very true. the race issue as well. You know, so it's like the only way you can you can write a good black character now is if you take a famous white character and replace them with exactly. You can't just then there's plenty of great black characters out there already. You can't just do that. Yeah, it's just the yeah. tokenization. And I mean they do that they do the same thing with gay people. It's like yes. okay, yeah. you know, like every single DC character now is gay. Yeah. Like you know you got <laughs> Superman's gay, you know, Wonder Woman's bi uh batman's gay now everybody everybody's gay now like it's like dude 
who's not gay? South <laughs> Anybody? Park. South Park was calling this in like 2003. Four. They made that episode where it was like they made gay like cool, and they had like the crab people be like, yeah. it just oh, it was such a good episode. I never seen it, but you know what? Like South Park was years ahead of its time, man. Way it's ahead. crazy. The, the satirists typically are. They have their finger on the pulse and they kind of see things coming down the line before others do. All right. So apparently Zoom has changed their policies where I can no longer host unlimited length meetings. Oh, are they trying to get us to Oh no. <laughs> they just changed this. So we're gonna have a little break and we'll be right back and maybe we'll be talking about yeah. Amber Hurts. Well, before we do the break, this is actually a perfect time to remind people to please, please subscribe like comment share the show all that stuff really helps um we're also taking donations now so if you would like to help us continue doing this please uh, throw us some money that really subscribe helps subscribe to nina's channel her link is down below and we will be right back this is the dangerous rhetoric asmr experience <laughs> send us money via paypal Venmo and Cash App at Sire2067. That's C-Y-R-E-2067. If we ever vanish from this platform, you can always find us at www.dangerousrhetoric.com. And we're back, folks. Thank you for bearing through uh, our short little technical difficulties. Hope you enjoyed our very brief commercial (laughs) that we're going to record in the future. So there. On so that note, we are going to pivot. You right? want to pivot? What yeah, are we pivoting to? Daniel? We're gonna we're gonna pivot to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. We have not really discussed that at all on the show, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of talk going on right now about this case, mainly because the media won't shut the fuck up about it. But... <laughs> also, it's one of the, another one of those trials that are like being completely videoed and rebroadcast, so much like how the Kyle Rittenhouse thing blew up. Like this is also going up because there's so many YouTubers and law tubers that are covering it and sharing commentary. And I think that's- Which is really awesome, actually. It's, it's, uh, I feel like it's bringing some new interest into our legal system. Mm-hmm. That we didn't necessarily have before. And these lawyer streamers, I think are, are revolutionary. They're doing something really amazing right now the way they're streaming these trials, commenting on them um, as they happen and live, you know, live action. Yeah, it's it's very informative. Uh, I, For example, Riqueda Law, uh, yes. Nick Riqueda, he's amazing. Uh, Grifter King, Nick, Nick Riqueda. Um, I, uh, I've been following his channel for quite a long time, like way before Kyle Rittenhouse became a thing. And he's he's always been just so informative when it comes to his breaking down different cases. Uh, and it, it's definitely like a new revolutionary thing in, in, in that sense, because I mean, I was always really interested in courtroom dramas. So like, I mean, I, I've, you know, I've watched Judge Judy and like, you know, those, those kind of like law and order. And I was like totally into courtroom stuff. And, and now you can't. Grew up on Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, my family watched her constantly all the time. They loved her. She's so based. I love Judge Judy. Uh, But yeah, like I I used to watch courtroom stuff all the time. And then now it's like there's you can't really get that same feeling on like cable TV. So I, you know, I found Nick Riqueda's channel and I was like, this is freaking fascinating because he's like actually teaching things to do with law and the way things work and what's hearsay, what's this, what's that. I mean, all the all the terms you hear just breaking it down. The commentary is amazing. And uh, 
He does a great job. And so does Legal Bites, is Kurt, yeah. is Andrew from Legal Mindset on Civil Laws, Kurt. Um, Umbrella Guy. Umbre- Umbrella Guy yeah. is not necessarily a, a law tuber, though. He's very caught up in the um, Amber Heard trial, but he's not a lawyer. Yeah. So um, he's a little bit different. Uh, but Umbrella Guy is also amazing at his research uh, on the Amber Heard trial, but he's technically yeah. not a law tuber. I like his voice. Yeah. He has, he has <laughs> I love his voice. Great accent. And he's got all the receipts. You know, Brent was pulling up his page earlier. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Him. Have you guys ever checked out Flashcast? <laughs> no, I haven't heard of him. Uh, Flashcast is uh, a, a show. It's a panel show. It happens on Saturday nights on Flash uh, Two, uh, Yellow Flash Two's channel, uh, and uh, that Umbrella guy is a regular panel member. So is Nick Ricada, and uh, yeah, that Star Wars girl is on there. A bunch of other people is on there, and Lofty you, is even on that one too. Yeah, Lofty's on there. Uh, Camelot. There's a lot of panel members. Uh, but it get it gets really spicy sometimes. They have a lot of great discussions. It's, it's definitely the go-to Saturday night show if you guys are into that. What's the show again? Yellow Flash. Uh, it's Yellow Flash 2's channel, but it's called Flashcast on Saturday nights. Flash. Yellow Flash 2 subscribed. Got him. Got him. Um, so let's take a look at some of these pictures because today, for folks that were not watching the uh the trial amber gave us a very um very descriptive account of the assaults that she suffered at the hands of johnny depp vicious beatings that resulted in black and blue eyes and um all kinds of abuse of of a nature we can't really describe wait wait hang on we have to describe this because (laughs) she literally talked about getting graped with a broken bottle Yeah. Um, look. And this is her yeah. immediately afterward yeah. having a photo shoot where and no one reported this in. Like you had no injuries to report in after. It's just it, it is all hearsay. The entire thing today basically was her describing things and then then Johnny side being like objection your honor hearsay i love that i, I mean so she was on it. It was good. It was objection good. your honor hearsay. Objection your honor hearsay. That's what they have to do because yeah. And then the other thing that, now, you know, he pulled up this picture, and this is one of the pictures where she's supposed to have two black eyes, a Mm -hmm. bruise, and a busted lip. And, you know, even even Amber on the stand was like, you know, oh, the lighting is, you can't really see it so much here. I just, I found, like, the little, like, her covering up for the fact that, like, it's not obvious. You you couldn't take a better picture. Also, she's describing years and years of of abuse. Um, Umbrella Guy brought this up. You know, you would think if there's been years and years of, of these events happening, you would have much more evidence than this. You weren't documenting anything that happened to you as it was happening. And like, the kind of person that she is, like the, the kind of person that she is, you would you would definitely yeah. think that she would definitely be uh, taking photos and, and uh, collecting evidence based on what she's experiencing. Now, the thing for me, if you, if you go to, um, that was a great, example of it but if you go to my page i retweeted something from anna that star wars girl where she has the juxta uh, juxtaposition photos of um i love the drawing of you by the way oh thank you it's a cosplayer that uh somebody made a picture of me with a photo it was cute it was adorable um but if you go to the very top of the page one more keep going nope did you score a pad? There it is. So this is this is Rihanna's picture when she got 
Yeah. Her face beat by Chris. Uh, the, the, the juxtaposition here is pretty stark yeah. for people who can't actually see because you're listening on, you know, Spotify or something. On the left, we see Rihanna with actual bruises yeah. battering her face. face and actual her face is like swollen. Her face yeah. is very clearly yeah. swollen. And then on the right, we have the picture of Amber with a little mark maybe underneath her right. left eye that could be from something that's not getting, you know, battering by the fist. Yeah, or it could mm-hmm. just be makeup. I'm just saying. I, don't I mean, know. The- <laughs> I mean, someone even on the the, the trial uh, said that the one the mark underneath Amber's eye seems to be there all the time even like she was pointing out that even it was even like kind of there in the trial like because she she wears makeup so it's kind of like covering it but she was saying that it could possibly even be a birthmark like that we don't really can't really tell but it's kind of there all the time i mean i don't know about that but at the same time i can tell you that this is clearly like this is actually something that i experienced and that's why I've, i've retweeted that because i was attacked when i was a teenager and i went through this i experienced being punched in the face by a girl and she got me right in the lip you know and I had my lip cut up and bruising and you know the whole thing and uh you know it took weeks to recover from this is not something that you can just be like the next day I'm gonna go do a photo shoot like (laughs) everyone would notice everyone everyone would notice and and not just that you won't be ready like mentally to go out and do photo shoots after you go through something so traumatic violence is very traumatic you know I think most people who comment so readily on it haven't actually experienced any real violence you know things happen very quickly it changes your brain like chemically you know mm-hmm. and the way you are after the event it there is definitely a bit of you know there's some trauma there and that this is one of the things too people have been commenting on is just why is it so hard for her to like cry all of the crying during this trial feels so feigned you Forced. know the worst yeah. tears like and it, it feels like she's just trying to turn it on, like she's building up to it. Like it feels like she's building up to a performance, but can't quite peak. Have you guys ever seen that episode of Friends when Joey is in, uh, he's like teaching a theater class and he's teaching his class how to cry. And uh, he's like, you know what I do when I really need to cry on cue, I take these like tweezers and I stick them in my pocket and I just squeeze my balls like real hard. And, you know, that tear will come out because I'm just squeezing down there. And he's like, like, you know, sharing this experience. So next time you got to get your tweezers. And then later on in the episode, there's a guy that goes for the same audition. And he's like this Nick the Boxer thing. And he cries and he's showing Joey what he's doing. And he's crying and he's so passionate. And Joey's like, wow you really cried like tweezers and he's like no man this is just me and he's like oh oh yeah yeah great job you know and it's just it seems like amber's got those tweezers like down there and she's just kind of like squeezing trying to get this thing and like you know these tears out but it's really not happening <laughs> but and i made a that. joke that you know the, the faces she was making yesterday was uh pretty close to what i would imagine what was going on on johnny's bed uh that she probably squeezed <laughs> out uh, you know, uh, prior to, uh, it's probably easier for her to squeeze that out than the tears. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so I tweeted something earlier. I said, uh, Amber should have brought some lemon heads so we could at least test LeBron's theory. <laughs> the reference to LeBron James tweet about Kyle Rittenhouse. And then I said, sure. 
you know, if it and if it wasn't Lemonheads, then shouldn't uh, Kyle Rittenhouse replace Amber in the next Aquaman? We'll just put him in drag, and he can identify as a woman. He'll do substantially better job. I I'd agree with that. I oh my god. Yeah, LeBron tweeted that about about Kyle when he was crying. When he was crying, he, I remember. Brought, he, I think he said something like, "My boy brought some Lemonheads to court." Something you like know, that. LeBron. I honestly wouldn't talk if I was him. Dude's crying all the time, yeah, and you know, just freaking flop flopper yeah so i guess we'll have we now we have to wait we have to wait until uh following a week from monday until the trial resumes so oh wow they're taking a week goes off. but if twitter is an, any indication it doesn't seem like amber is being believed yeah it, mm -mm. Uh, like, well, not just not just uh twitter i mean there's media come like vice put out an article about you know it is was this a mistake like was was believe all women in the state, something to that effect. I think New York, not Times, New York Post put out something about it. Uh, so that the media is now jumping ship on her as well. I think, I think very much due to the fact that she's basically gotten destroyed on social media. The court of public opinion is 100% with Johnny Depp at this point. So, uh, I mean, well, not 100% because you get those like, you know, so Amber Heard simps or whatever that are like, believe amber but like you know most most people ha who have been watching the trial are pretty much like oh my god this chick's a liar i mean bill burr came out and said something yesterday uh to that effect of like you know amber heard's a liar uh is is there going to be apologies issued after this trial should she, should he win this case i mean i think he's owed an apology either way whether he yeah. wins or not this is this, I'm telling you, some of the stuff she was saying today is just so beyond the, I guess, beyond the scope or beyond, I don't know, because this is, the, I don't know the terminology you're using, but she was straight up lying in some cases. I mean, that whole thing about her being raped by the bottle thing, like, and there's no pictures, there's no evidence, there's no hospital report, there's no, I mean, you would think that if somebody if that happened to you as a woman, I'm telling you right now, if that happened to you, you would be completely scarred. Uh, you would need to go to the hospital. This is not a joke. This is not. And, and the way that she was describing things, like he punched me over and over and over in the head. Uh, you would think that she would definitely have a concussion, that you would think that the way that she was describing these scenarios was just so much more devastating to hear about than there is physical evidence of, and there's pictures of, or uh, doctor's uh, reports, there's nothing. Her descriptions kind of reminded me of an actress going through a scene in their head and trying to describe that scene to prep for their take or whatever that's kind of what reminded me and she would focus on these really unusual things and objects too uh i think umbrella guy brought this up but the carpet so the one thing yeah she talked about being thrown down and oh i'm just so devastated how could this happen to me and i was just looking at the carpet and how just i noticed how dirty it was for the first like fixating on things like that it's like you're trying to describe a scene in your head to make it more believable to you is what yeah. it's like interestingly she remembered there was so remember the carpet she talked, about, she talked about him throwing his phone while yelling at her and she kept fixating on the phone he just kept throwing the phone he threw the phone and then the phone smashed and then smashing the phone over and like, over into the wall yeah i mean there's just certain things that like about her story that seems so like weird and detailed like the way you talk about the carpet and then she'll all of a sudden say something and then she'll go into like oh i'm so sorry i don't remember this because everything is just out of the order and yeah. I, I don't remember any of this right now because it's literally 
literally like she's making shit up. And then you're like, oh, the reason you don't remember is probably because you don't, it didn't happen, but you like, you don't remember this important fact, but you remember what color the carpet was yeah. and yeah, how dirty it was. <laughs> and like, blah, yeah, or blah. How often he smashed the phone. It's, it, it does not make sense. And like you said, like with the bottle incident that she describes, like something like that, there would, there would be evidence. How, how is there no evidence for like that? And that's not like a little thing that you're accusing him of. That's a, that's a really extreme accusation to paint that on someone he did she did that twice now because yeah. she said that he did it with the bottle and then later in the trial he she also claimed that he he graped her with his yeah, fingers his fingers in and like physically like moved her or like pulled her or whatever through her bathing her. suit and then moved the bathing suit over and then went you know listen Okay, the finger thing is one thing. All right, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're into some Fifty Shades kind of ish, and you know, whatever from Patient Called Pleasure kind of thing. I don't know, whatever. But the bottle thing, dude, yeah. a broken bottle. No, yeah. you're talking about extreme pain and extreme cuts you're going to get cut and bleed and then she was talking about oh like did you bleed from the v and she's just like uh yes i did and did you feel it i, I don't remember uh and i was like did, did you get your period are you yeah. mistaken you, you know your period like bleeding from the vagina in that scenario is very different than and than getting graped so i i don't i don't know but everything that she's saying Seems yeah, like something like around, what you're saying. Threw me around here, threw me around there. Like if you were getting thrown around as much as you describe getting thrown around, lady, you would have a lot of marks on you. And there would be some documentation of that. Also, no witnesses. She can't produce no witnesses, witnesses for these things that she's claiming. So even the witnesses that yeah. Even the witnesses that she talks about, like she was talking about that plane incident where she yeah. you know, apparently drugged up people? a stewardess and then Johnny Depp attacked the stewardess or whatever, or like the yeah. flight attendant. And it's like, uh, where is she? Yeah. Like, where's Kicked her in the back, evidence? Humiliated. <laughs> yeah. she, she, she might try to be like, oh, well, they were too scared to come forward. Well, now that you've come forward, you're telling me they're still too scared to come forward? It just those people don't exist. There aren't yeah. witnesses. They're just not there, you know? Or like at some other person around the campfire that they don't even know. And she's like, I didn't even know this girl. We were like around the campfire and like, you know, we did shrooms and ecstasy and like this and that. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, uh, okay, where is she? Like, and then Johnny attacked her. Uh, and then there's no, like, she doesn't even remember this girl's name. Like, what do you? talking well, about never like miscellaneous like stupid shit too like i yeah. remember describing like what the in one one story she was describing like what the chefs were preparing and like that johnny had started preparing some steaks and like what type of steaks they were and stuff and i just remember thinking like how do you remember these like really or miscellaneous things or, that aren't important at all and then you can't remember some very serious details or the fact that she brought him coffee the next morning after gra getting graped by a broken bottle apparently like uh, like you, you're walking around girl you're walking around after that happened and then you're making this dude coffee that graped you like i don't what yeah, like, it's hard the, the, to believe it's insane some of the stuff that she's saying and then she goes into this the whole thing like and honestly every time she talks about the drug the drug use it really bothers me because like you know if you if you ever if you're living with a person who has problems and you want them to get sober you would think that that partner would be 
you know, let's, let's get sober together. Let's do this. You know, we can, we can do this. We won't, I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to do drugs at least around you. Like, you know, I'm not at, at least to that extent that you would have that partner, but she's always getting high around them. She's always drinking around yeah. them. There's never any accountability for her behavior. Uh, she's just like, it's all his fault. He's just a monster when he gets high. Then why are you getting high with him? Like, what, what's going on? And the way she's so like, just, you know, oh yeah, like we did like shrimps and like ecstasy. And like, yeah, like, you know, we were having Coachella. so much fun. Yeah, like we went to Coachella. We went to like, you know, we were having a Christmas gathering. And then like, you know, like, what what was she saying? She went like with, his, with her girlfriends to like somewhere and they all took mushrooms together. And like the way that she said it, just like, just happened to be like, oh yeah, like we went like with my girlfriends and we did like a bunch of mushrooms and I'm like, everything was fine. And it's like, <laughs> are you like, are you listening to yourself? You're a drug addict. Yeah. This is not normal behavior. No, uh, no self-awareness. So nothing. I, I wanted to lead into this question from this discussion. And this is all obviously hypothetical. We're just speculating here, but it's a good uh, jumping point to, you know, start a conversation. But do we think, or do you think, Mina, Brent, I don't know what your opinion is. Well, I guess I do know what your opinion is. <laughs> is Amber someone who could potentially be what we would call a psychopath? Um, you know, someone who does not have a conscience. Is she just making this all up for like a malicious intent? Or does she have some kind of, I don't know, border personality disorder, some kind of other cluster B personality. Borderline. Borderline. Line. Some, well, we already know she does. Cluster B disorder, right? Because I know she brought up some health officials who basically said that she didn't right didn't they didn't they that didn't was, they that was their, so they had so johnny's team had a witness that basically said that she had borderline she did. and then she, she had one on her side who was someone they yeah. consulted who was like oh she doesn't have these things yeah i personally think she is displaying symptoms of this just based on what i've seen and heard too. from you know the whole situation switching but... switching is what gets me she'll be and, and the copying people's yeah. outfits yeah or copying actual lines from movies i think mm -hmm. there's been two now that she, really? I don't know, she she directly quoted i think it was the talented mr ripley and i can't remember <laughs> what the other film was. i didn't hear that that it's yeah well because at both times it happened the oh. internet doesn't you, you can't get away with this stuff you, <laughs> you know really can. no and i think there was another one where she like literally lied and was like oh yeah like i wasn't a fan of johnny depp before she met him and then she's literally written I, that she was a right. fan of johnny depp like herself before like when i was a teenager was a fan of johnny depp. like it's on her own words and then yeah. she's on the stand being like i didn't even know the guy like it's like right. what sure you did <laughs> But I don't know, like, I don't want to try to diagnose. I don't like to try to do that. But it is, it is kind of fun, you know, to, to look, look at. Look, I'm, I'm going to come out and say it. And I'm going to say it in the most, um, look, because I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm going to tell you what I think. She's a psycho bitch. I think this chick <laughs> is psycho bitch. And I, now here's the thing. I don't know if she's a born psychopath. Cause I don't like, we don't, we don't know that far. We don't know her history. We don't know, yeah, you know, if she was killing cats or something like that when she was 10, I don't know. Okay. But it's pretty safe to say that her lack of empathy and her, the, the way that everything that she's done, like all the stuff that we've just talked about really just points to borderline personality and soci sociopathy yeah. like she is a sociopath um for Definitely. sure i think she is a sociopath some kind of cluster b there's something yes. you know she's definitely quality you know there's definitely narcissism going on there oh yes sure. oh yes which you know is is not 
uncommon, obviously, in, in the Hollywood acting world. If anything, it's probably has that probably has the most concentration of people like that. But I, I don't know, man. I think it's like I think you're right that the, the public opinion of her seems to generally be negative and that most people seem to be siding with Johnny. But you're always gonna have those, you know, establishment types who are gonna be pushing the Me Too and the believe all women narrative and or just those types of people who do mean well and just don't like they can't conceive, I think, yeah. that, that a woman could do this. Yeah, I used to be yeah. one of those people yeah. because, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't want to believe that people could yeah. be capable of something like that. But they are. Quote, direct quote from the talented Mr. Ripley, where she said the thing with Johnny, it's like the sun shines on you and it's glorious and then forgets you and it's very, very cold. It's like literally a direct quote from the talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> and then That's so people, creepy. Like to, to yeah. do that without even meaning to reservoir dogs apparently there was another <clears throat> one where she says oh and i just lost the tweet. i'm telling you her descriptions from the last two days it felt like someone <laughs> prepping preparing to do a take to act a scene like she's literally describing it out like i was on the floor and then you know i felt this and and then this is how i'm supposed to feel now and now this is how i'm supposed to feel now it just it felt so well well the, it, it felt like that because it was like that yeah. because if you yes. if you notice well first of all she did either fire or if you it, depending on what side you believe she either fired or her her team quit on her her public her publicity team mm -hmm. so now we know she has a new one uh and yesterday when she tried to squeeze out those tears she got destroyed online so yeah. i i'm almost positive that her publicity team told her you, you gotta step up your oscar game yeah. girl she you want this stand she you, today yeah she yeah you yeah. got it you gotta cry we gotta see those tears like we need to see water if you yeah. don't see water on you we're gonna have problems They've so this is her. why she tried a lot harder today she, she really did but because of that it felt even more forced they call her passing notes too like she wrote apparently a bunch of stuff down on a yellow legal pad and passed that. I saw that. One of her, and it's like, sweetie, like you're not supposed to be communicating with the lawyer. Yeah. And, and there was another catch by Nick and them where she literally like looks at the camp because she's got her napkin on there, like on her face and she's trying to do it. But she looks at the camera as it's taking picture. Yeah. 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 And and then and she's like, and then she goes back to normal. Like she's, she's, like, she's blowing her nose for the picture. She's yeah. Like, oh, look how sad I yeah. am. Oh. So earlier I tweeted, uh, Amber Heard really, really, really sucks at acting. This was probably the greatest and most important role she'd ever play, and she blew it. She's just not good at this and has benefited greatly from movie magic. You don't <laughs> multiple takes in court, honey. She'd do well to do some stage acting, perhaps. Yeah, she's not a good theater actor, yeah, I can you, tell you that. I think there, there is a skill there. It had me thinking about this earlier um, when I was watching the trial, that there's definitely a, a particular way of acting a skill. Like, I guess improv, it's similar to how musicians can sit there and just riff, right? You mm -hmm. need to be able to do that on the spot. And I think stage actors have that ability more. And whereas if I think if you don't do stage acting at all and you get so used to doing cuts... I think that's what's happening here. It's like, she's like trying to do her take 
like, well, in Florida, I, and it's not a good take. It's, it's not, yeah. And, one take. Like, yeah, she wants it to be like different, but you can't. And yeah. the, the thing is, is that to be fair, I mean, Johnny Depp is also an actor, and I think yes. he's a much better actor course, than Amber Heard. Yeah. So, like, when he was on the stand, he was getting garnering all the sympathy through his expressions and like that, how he was explaining things. However, you know, I, like I said, she, he's a, he is a better actor than her. So you can, you can make that argument that she, he could also be acting. It's to his advantage. Yeah. To his advantage. However, the, the one thing that really stands up for me is the idea that like, listen, we're, we're listening, we're listening to a very traumatic experience by two different people. We're hearing two sides of this story of, of an extremely toxic relationship where these two people should not be together in any shape or form. But the way that Johnny was explaining his side and the way that Amber's explained hers, it just seems to me that if she had gone through, if she had actually gone through the things that she claims have gone through, that she wouldn't, that she wouldn't need to force cry that she would just cry. Yeah. It would just be, it would just be like something that, I mean, this is something that you're reliving in your mind. And everything that I saw from Johnny was that he was reliving this trauma in his mind. And either like you chalk that up to good acting or you chalk that up to, yeah. this is literally a victim of abuse who is, who's gone through this and I, is reliving I saw it. Quite a few people on Twitter who were actual victims of abuse basically saying that, you know, they're not buying what Amber is doing. Just the, the reactions don't feel authentic to them as people who've actually been through trauma and violence of, of that sort. And then that's another, it brings me to another point too, that I think we have to acknowledge here about what's so horrible, you know, about what Amber's doing here is that it kind of, it takes away from actual victims, you know, and I think Absolutely. one of the biggest disservices to be done when when you do something like this when you lie about being a victim of abuse it's like there are actual victims of abuse out there and you're going to make it more difficult for people to believe them when there are people like you out there who are making shit up and using it in this way yeah white people i mean this is this has been the whole problem with me too and the whole believe all women situation because there is a lot of women that have come out and have clearly taken advantage of that movement including um you know, I forget her name right now off the top of my head, but one of the founders of the Me Too movement, which was Anthony Bourdain's girlfriend, I forget oh, her name, I remember but that you know, night. and how she came out and she was all like, me too, and blah, blah, blah. And then it turns out she was with, you know, having sex with a minor and all this stuff like that. And, you know, the, the, the things that she claimed, uh, there's, there's a lot of cases like that now that are coming to light. And one, the biggest one now being Amber Heard and Amber Heard completely like people like Amber Heard are basically garbage human beings, because if you're lying about rape, which she has, oh, sorry, I, I said the word, uh, but she, which she also has, because she apparently stole her assistant's grape story and like, you know, to, and, and tried to pass it off her as her own. And we haven't even heard about that yet because I, I mean, we're all waiting for Cross because Cross is going to be. That's going to be great. Looking oh, epic. So yeah. these lawyers do their job. And, I mean, uh, hey, it, they've been on it. They, they were on it with the objections today. I'm sure they're going to have a lot to talk about, no, especially with the bottle grape. Really long break to prepare for cross. You know, mm -hmm. if they were smart, if they were culturally aware, they would go back and they'd be watching some of the legal. I'm sure they're going streams. Yeah. And they're definitely watching Nick Ricada. They should. I mean, I. 
his his accumulation of different perspectives and I, I really feel like the way that they're doing the law tube streams lets you um get a more objective picture of what's actually happening and they catch because there's so many different lawyers looking at the same situation from different perspectives and different experience bases they catch a lot of the stuff that the you know that isn't caught in the courtroom and so it gives people that are watching this more comprehensive bird's eye view and lets you see a lot more of what's actually like happening behind the scenes yeah it's it's really interesting i mean i i'm fascinated to see what's going to be the result of this of this 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 trial, uh, because in Virginia, they do need uh, 12, 12 juries to agree, like the, the whole, the whole, you got to have everybody agreeing. So uh, even if one doesn't, even if we want to one hold out is not going to be that he, she, you know, she's, she's the plaintiff, right? Yeah. He's suing her mm -hmm. for defamation. Yeah, of that's right. So apparently he worked for years to get this, to get this to go through. So yeah, he, look, he, he's trying to exonerate himself. He's trying to clear his name. He did lose a lot of money from this. And I'm not going to sit here and cry tears. It's working, though. From some rich losing more money, but it, you know, there were damages done to him. It's, it's working, though. It's working it, because, yeah. uh, you know, like we, we've been talking about, the court of public opinion is now, you know, very much on his side. And, um, you know, through this entire experience with, everything that had happened and all his explanation with what happened with Disney and what, how he, they treated him when this whole thing happened, that no matter what, Johnny's never going to work with Disney again. I believe that. I don't think he will. He's set, he said it, said as much. Um, and this. you know what? He's in a better boat now because look at what's going on with Disney. I mean, they're in, no. Better you're, off. you're better off, Johnny. You're better off. You're better <laughs> off. You don't want, gross. but you know what? Gross. He's going to get different. I'm I'm sure he's going to get different projects. I'm sure. like, you know, independent projects. Disney's not the only game in town after this thing happens. Uh, and should his name be cleared? Um, I think he's going to get a lot of projects. I, he's not going to have any problems working. I think one of the big unexpected benefits though, to this whole fiasco is that we're finally getting a look inside the female predatory mindset mm -hmm. and how Absolutely. feminine wiles of how, you know, using weaponizing compassion and sympathy can be, uh, you know, pushed against people. And you we were seeing, we're really seeing, you know, at, at a cultural level, this idea that women can be predators too. Yeah, and it's absolutely and men can be abused. And men can be abused, yeah, which, which is, yes. it's something that we really haven't had a cultural reckon, reckoning with. There was some like a, a talk about it a while ago. There was some articles about men who have been, you know, uh, raped by women mm -hmm. uh, through like, and, and it's not even like, like, you know, the men were penetrated they were like the process is called forcible insertion where a man is drugged and then taken advantage of while he's in that state mm -hmm. um, but like a lot of this this idea that you know women as predators i think and i think one of the big problems we're having at a societal level is that when we see things like disney and critical race theory critical queer theory is that the feminine predatory mindset or the feminine predatory uh methods are being you know deployed at a societal level and our inability to recognize them is what's causing people to be susceptible to it mm -hmm. so things like this hopefully there'll be more awareness of these different predatory patterns and people can see it and call it out and not be subjected to it yeah i mean she's definitely a very interesting case study of a female I, dare i say psychopath i'm just gonna say psychopath because yeah, you know just for the lack of a better term uh, but we prefer that word as well. 
Yeah. I mean, I think she is. I really do. Like, but I, so, you're right though, Brent. I think that this is me. definitely a great case study for it. She's, uh, she's exemplified how women can be predatory. In addition to what you said too, there's women that do, you know, that, but they don't even do that like physically to the dude. Like, I, I feel like even when, a, you know, like some women do like the, the insemination thing where they steal the guy's, you know, spunk and then they, they get pregnant off of it so that they can trap him like the baby trappers. I think to that point, like even those women are very predatory and what they're yeah. doing, especially like creating a life point. in order to trap a man is a very predatory behavior. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, behavior. they're out there. They're out, it's they're out there. behavior and it's horrible for the child too. Like, especially if you yeah. were to learn that later, like, wow, I was conceived. So my mom could like trap my dad or that's like, I mean, how devastating would you be if you found that out about your, your birth, you know, like that's crazy. There's this little video that compares her testimony on this to actual movie quotes. So I thought, oh, let's see it. Let's see it. Uh, it's only 40 seconds. Oh my gosh. I will cut off my hand before I reach for you again. He said, I'd rather cut my hand off than ever lay it on you or lay it upon you wow like lots of teeth <laughs> like lots of teeth lots of tea. Where? what happened here whoa what happened here Simon made me feel like the most beautiful woman in the world but like when I was around Johnny I felt like the most beautiful person in the whole world <laughs> oh you think it's funny bitch you think it's funny bitch <laughs> oh my god that's oh my god dude the internet oh my god the internet on it the internet is on it i just i mean after you see that and you're like is she really like making all this up and and did she really like you know snip lines from movies to yeah. into her testimony like, she, she's so crazy it's like she's she's like just made of lines so everything that comes out of her does feel it feels rehearsed like i said it, it's just, so fake watching her today and watching her yesterday i really felt like she was up there like planning a scene in her head that she, like she was it almost felt like she was prepping to go on set there's so much there's so much to this um case that I feel like, I mean, like, there's just so much to it that we're, we're even like missing stuff. Like, for example, you know, one of the things that she talks about, like very briefly, just kind of like goes over it. And not a lot of people have talked about it is the fact that her own father has had substance abuse problems for a long time. So like, it's just, you know, when you think about something like that, because they get, they went very deep into Johnny's, like, you know, abuse from his mom and like the kind of life that he experienced like through his sister's testimony and his own testimony whereas and now we're not we're not really hearing about amber's childhood and how she was raised in a house where apparently her father was a drug addict and you know was continuously on and off the wagon and the kind of instability that she grew up in and like you know the, the fact that she had to even go out to LA to get a job and support her family and blah 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 you know these kind of things also go into her personality and what is formed and that's why that testimony from doctor from that doctor the psychologist was really really interesting because she's someone who has had that conversation with Amber so you know there's a lot that we're not even hearing right now about with regards to her background and her narcissism and her sociopathy that is goes into you know what she's experienced as a little girl and like you know the, the, the kind of trauma and pain that she deals with as well that she's you know now turned into perpetuating this 
this kind of behavior and become an abuser herself. So it's just, um, it's just really fascinating. And this is just like, you know, like, like I said, this is definitely a case study uh, of a female psychopath or like how basically, uh, how to get out alive, right? Like, or what, 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 what not to do, uh, get out run if you if you you know even witness one one characteristic that is like amber heard freaking run and don't look back man get out and we have plenty of books we can recommend if anyone wants to know more about that stuff but i think that's 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 honestly how most people will probably encounter a psychopath in their life it'll be in a relationship of some sort and Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think let's wrap it up there because Zoom's going to kill me. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Seriously. Of course. Really- Thanks for having me. I would be Do glad to come back anytime. Yes. It was so much fun. Um, and hopefully I'll have a better recording situation. No worries. We'll set you up and we'll get you sorted out. But don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. Subscribe to Nina's channel down below. And we will be back again soon with another video. Thank you so much. Later, guys. Have a good one.